to another episode of the Modern Manifestation Podcast. I'm your host, Bree Brown, a lettuce-hating, wine-loving, curses-like-a-sailor, recovering perfectionist. Having thrived in a male-dominated, commission-based industry, I'm passionate about helping women boldly pursue their life goals. In this space, we build confidence with our mindset, manifestation, and spirituality. I believe that your life manifests as a result of who you are, not what you do, and that your personality creates your personal reality. Join this growing community to increase your net worth by increasing your self-worth. Now let's jump into today's topic. Hello, hello, my beautiful souls, and welcome back to the Modern Manifestation Podcast. In today's episode, if you've listened to the past two, you already know that we are continuing my discussion of my personal ayahuasca ceremony and how it went. And today we are talking about night two. We've already talked about night one. We talked about the overall experience of the ceremony. If this is your first episode tuning in, I highly recommend you go back and listen to the previous two episodes to give you some foundation, some groundwork for jumping into today's episode topic. With that, let's jump into night two. What I will say about the second day is that I felt physically beat up. (laughs) I felt like I had run a marathon the night before, and I was very hesitant to go back into ceremony. And I'm very grateful that one of the individuals leading the ceremony told us at the very beginning, please commit to staying through the end because some of the nights might be uncomfortable, but they are uncomfortable because they're necessary. And after my first night, I was like, well, that sucked. (laughs) I just sat in physical discomfort and self-hate for like six hours. And that was not a pleasant experience. I'm grateful for the messages and what I received from that. And that's those are the kinds of feelings I have avoided feeling. So I feel like that was six hours making up for my entire life of avoiding those things. And yet it still sucked. And I was not eager to jump back into that experience, to say the least. And remember, I'm sparing you the details as best I can. (laughs) I felt like my body had the flu, my throat was raw, my chest hurt, everything was dehydrated, I was hungry, everything just screamed at me physically. And it was hard to convince myself that I was loving this experience. But I still wanted to see this process through. So night two, I'm just like, oh man, here we go. I'm already feeling nauseous before we even start. But That second night, I set the intention to let go. And I set that intention because the first night was so, it was so obvious to me how I had not let go, how I had not let go of some of those negative self-talk, how I had not let go of needing to control the situation, how I had not let go of allowing my body to be supported and do what it needed to do. So it was really just a continuing theme. So the first night, I actually don't think I mentioned this in the last episode, but the first night for me was all about healing, and some of that did take place after some of the self-hate, but again, I'm you know not sharing all the details. The second night was much more about just going into it. I want to let go to release. I don't want to have this resistance. And let me tell y'all, ayahuasca, for me, has a personality, and she was sassy. 
<laughs> That's the best word I could use to describe her. Like she was very loving, but very sassy. And so I understand why people call her the grandmother because it was honestly like you felt so loved and supported by her, but she would also call you out on your shit. And she also didn't really care how you viewed her. So she would be blunt. She said what she thought. And when I say said, it was more so just like an exchange of of knowing, if that makes any sense. So the first or the second night, I finally have that. I don't want to say face to face because it's not face to face. It's more like mind to mind, I guess, like mind melding. I don't I don't know how to describe it. You just you know things all of a sudden. And I just had this finally this direct connection with her. And she appeared to me as a snake, <laughs> which if you listened to the first episode, you would know that leading up to the ceremony after I said yes, the snake imagery kept coming to me time and time again. And finally, it made sense. In that moment, I was like, oh, you're the snake. And she was like, yes, I've been a part of your healing journey. I've been here to transform you. I've been visiting you as a snake to let you know and to help you prepare subconsciously for what's coming and it seemed to make so much sense in that in that moment so she comes to me as the snake and I I tell her I'm like I'm here to let go show me whatever you want to show me show me you know what you want me to see and for the next and granted time is kind of lose track of time so I don't actually know if it was an hour but it felt like an hour I was just seeing random things shapes frogs with hats coins, pyramids, just random, random things that didn't seem to make any sort of sense to me. And I'm just kind of sitting there like watching all of this. And it kind of feels like you're just like, it honestly feels like you're watching TV behind your eyelids. (laughs) So I'm experiencing this. And finally, I, after about an hour, I'm like, wait, hold on. Wait, why are you showing me this? And she claps back. She's like, well, you asked me to show you what I wanted to show you. So here it is. And I was like, well, but that's this isn't really anything. And she was like, well, then be more specific. <laughs> I was like, ooh, she's uh, she's sassy. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, well, then show me what I need to let go of to heal. Show me what I need to be mindful of in order to move forward in life. And instantly transformed the scene in front of my eyes went from like this random whimsical shape-shifting whatever just you know kaleidoscope of stuff to a hospital scene and I'm not going to get into all the details of it but it really felt like I was witnessing the moment of my birth and, and how much love there was and there was a lot more to that story but it was very healing for me to experience And it gave me a lot of gratitude for my relationship with my mother. And it gave me a lot of things to think about and to heal moving forward. And I was really grateful for that. And so the the second night was still physical, don't get me wrong. But it was a lot easier because I had let go. And I was like, my body is supported. It's going to do what it needs to do. And that allowed me to have a little bit more of a back and forth with Mother Ayahuasca. And so asking questions and getting answers. And that was the really cool part that I did not expect. I did not expect it to be this interactive two-way dialogue. I really expected it to be one-sided, honestly. 
granted, I don't really know what I expected, but that's kind of what I was imagining. And so after that experience, after really sitting with that imagery for a while, then I started getting into other questions like, what else should I be aware of? And then what I thought was super interesting, and I think this is something that you all might find fascinating for your own journeys, is she took me to the concept of wealth. And this is something I talk about a lot on the podcast, obviously. So it was something that I thought would be appropriate to share with you guys. And she was basically telling me, you need to sit with your concept of wealth and what that means. And I was like, well, I feel like I have a pretty good idea of what wealth looks like. And then out of nowhere, it's almost like she starts throwing like cards at me and coins and money and gold and jewelry. And it honestly kind of felt like I was in some sort of like Vegas machine where all these things were just being thrown at me, but in like a really tacky way. And I was like, what is happening? Why is all this stuff just flying at me? And she was like, is this your concept of wealth? Is this really what you want? And I was like, wait, this isn't, this isn't what I think of as wealth at all. And she was like, are you sure about that? And I was like, well, you know, I, I don't know, maybe not. And so then I really had to sit there for the rest of my ceremony that night just thinking about my concept of wealth and what does that look like. And she showed me all of these things that I don't think that I perceive as wealth. But when I think about talking about manifesting abundance or talking about manifesting wealth, sometimes I do feel like it comes more from the place of materialism than it does from energetic wealth. And so that first night I really had to sit with, okay, well, that's not, that does not feel like wealth to me. That does not feel like the energetic feeling of wealth. So what is wealth for me? And when I was thinking about it, I was like, wealth is freedom of time. Wealth is freedom of choice. Wealth is freedom to make decisions without, without too, many, too much resistance in the way. I think this is really what we're all striving for is a lot of times money is just a means toward financial independence and ability to make decisions separate from their financial impact. And so when I really sat with that, I was like, okay, wealth is my relationship with Evan. Wealth is our home that we bought that is my grandparents' home that I absolutely love. And I think sometimes I get self-conscious about like sharing my space on Instagram because I'm like, oh, well, it's not like the high-rise modern apartment in downtown Austin, you know, but that's not what I want. And I think in my mind, I haven't really shared a whole lot about my own like living space as an example because I'm like, oh, well, people are going to expect a really luxurious home. But that's not what Evan and I view as wealth. Evan and I view wealth as the fact that we were able to purchase my dad's childhood home. It's 100 years old. We love its charm. We love working on it and having projects around the house. And to us, wealth is creating a home in this space. Wealth is creating this cozy environment, this really energetic space that resonates with us. And we're not the high-rise, modern, luxury-living kind of people. We are the 100-year-old historic home in East Austin kind of people. And so that's one of the things that she made me sit with that first night is like, 
I don't think you fully grasped the right meaning of wealth. And I think she was right. I talk about wealth all the time and how I've redefined it, but you can know something and not feel something. And I think the feeling part was what was missing. And so when she started throwing all these coins and stuff at me as if I were at some like Vegas game show, it just made me realize how ridiculous that concept of wealth can be and how silly it can feel. And I just kind of had to laugh at like, oh, (laughs) you know, like my listeners don't care if I have the high rise condo downtown or live in the mansion. They care about the content that I bring them. And that is a currency of wealth. The things that I'm sharing is a currency of wealth. How I live, how I show up energetically is an idea of wealth. And my experiences are wealth. So there was a lot of healing that went on that second night as well as a part of that letting go. And it was more than just letting go of some some things within past relationships and also physical letting go. It was also letting go of the constraints that I put around myself in terms of what it means to be wealthy, what it means to experience wealth, what it means to talk about wealth with you all on this podcast. And I really felt in that moment like this was something she wanted me to talk about with you guys because maybe there's one or two of you out there where for whatever reason, this is triggering something for you in a positive way. So I want you to think about your own idea of wealth and what that means for you and really get to know that concept For me, I've been thinking about that a lot this past week and really defining it for myself, journaling about it. And what I think can be really helpful about this concept is that we're entering a a recession, right? And a lot of people are losing their jobs. It can be really easy to fall into a place of scarcity right now. And if we tie our wealth to our income or to our lifestyle, Lifestyle being like a materialistic lifestyle, like the car I drive, the place I live, the places I travel. That can tie wealth to a scarce viewpoint. And so if you lose your job, all of a sudden you might feel like you lose your wealth. Or if you relocate to a smaller house, you might decide that that is a loss of wealth. Or if times are tougher for you from a financial perspective, you could be led to believe you lost your wealth. And then your identity is impacted. So instead of you being someone who feels abundant and wealthy, your external conditions change, and then you allow your internal conditions to change as a result. So it's this shallow concept of wealth because the outside impacts the inside. And we want this adjusted and flipped. The inside should dictate the outside. That is manifestation. And what she pointed out to me on that journey was that all of this, all the things I'm talking about were independent of wealth. Wealth is an energetic mindset. Wealth is the quality of your relationships. Wealth is the quality of the safety net around you. And know that whenever I say safety net, I'm not necessarily referring to finances. What I mean by safety net is what is your feeling of comfort when you don't have your materials, your things around you. So in other words, are you wealthy without your things? Are you wealthy without money, a house, a nice car, a great job? Is a Buddhist monk wealthy if he knows the concept of abundance? So what is wealth? How do you define it? As an example, 
if everything were to disappear overnight, like worst case scenario, let's say that, I don't know, someone steals all our money out of the bank and my car gets repoed and I don't know, what are some really other terrible things that could happen? (laughs) The rest of our belongings like catch on fire. I don't know, right? If all of that were to disappear overnight, what you're left with, can you feel safe within that? Because that's what wealth is. And so when I thought about that, I was like, okay, if everything were to disappear, I would still have Evan. I would still have our dog, Luna. I would still have my drive and my interests and my passions. Evan would still have his. We are fortunate enough to have family that still loves and supports us emotionally. And worst case scenario, we know how to get in touch with the appropriate tools to help us in that moment if we really needed to. So I know who I could call if for whatever reason something happened and we needed an oh shit plan. We needed to figure some stuff out and we needed to figure out how to get shelter and food. I know exactly where to go to get that. And it's so much more comforting to know that if my worst case scenario, I would still be okay and I would still be able to come out of that situation. That's where real abundance can come from is knowing that it doesn't matter what job you have, it doesn't matter what you have in the reserves or don't have in the reserves, the abundance idea is a mindset. It is a feeling, it is a sense of safety and security. And when you can redefine wealth in a way that can help you get that security, get that safety, it'll be so much easier for you to continue to manifest the things in the direction that you want to go toward an abundance or toward more abundance, toward the abundant mindset. When you too closely identify wealth with material goods and your job description and your income and other things like that, it's a lot easier to fall back into that scarcity mindset because it's easier to upset the apple cart. So when those things go away, so does your identity as a wealthy person If your concept of wealth is tied to the things you've accumulated either monetarily or materially. I hope this is making sense. (laughs) So that's one of the bigger lessons I learned night two is just this concept of wealth, how I've defined it, how much better it would be energetically if we shift where that idea is coming from and what that means to us. So clarifying this concept of wealth for ourselves. And then that final lesson I learned on that second night really drove home the first night's message. And it happened as our ceremony leader came around with our third cup. And in that moment, my ego, my mind was like, yes, take that cup. Let's go deeper. Let's figure this shit out. But my body was like, yo, I need a break. I don't know about that third cup. Like, not sure that I'm feeling it. And so when he came around, it was like this battle between my mind and my body. And I thought it was really important that on that second night, I chose my body. And that wasn't normal for me. And so even though my mind, even though my ego was like, let's keep going, let's go deeper, let's resolve all these traumas, my body asked for a rest. And I said yes. And I agreed to that rest. And I thought it was a really important, I think that It wouldn't have gone the direction I would have wanted it to had I listened to my mind, had I listened to my ego, because that wasn't the lesson she was trying to teach me. And so in hindsight, granted, this realization didn't come to me till afterward. I'm really thankful 
that I listened to and chose my body that second night because I think that was a part of the change and a part of the being kind to myself message that she was trying to hit home the first night. And I don't know that things would have turned out the way I wanted them to if I hadn't listened to that, if I hadn't learned that lesson. And in a way, just because of how I experienced Mother Ayahuasca throughout the rest of the weekend, I think this was sort of a test to see if the lessons were being considered and taken seriously. The lessons from the first night. Like, the whole first night was all about taking care of myself and being kind to myself and receptive to my own needs. Something I'm constantly working to do. And if I'd taken that last cup on my second night, despite what my body was telling me, that would have been me falling into my old habits. That would have been an example of me disregarding what my body needed in favor of what my mind thought it needed instead of mind-body integration. So it was a way to reinforce the first night's message, but just having experienced how sassy she is, I also feel like that was a test. And I think she would have made me repeat the first night all over again if I had disregarded this lesson and accepted that last cup. I feel like she would have had it in for me and been like, okay, you didn't learn. Here we go. We're going to go back into it. (laughs) So those were the main lessons I'd learned that second night. Ask for what you want and be direct. Having more compassion and empathy for my mother. Re-evaluating my concept of wealth. And repeating the mind-body lesson from the previous night. So I hope these lessons have given you something to think about, or at the very least, just kept you entertained. (laughs) As I've said previously, I'm going to keep the rest of the details that night to myself, and I will catch y'all in the next episode where I talk about my third and final night with Mother Ayahuasca. Have a fantastic rest of your week, and I will catch y'all in the next episode. Until then, go out there and manifest some miracles. I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode. If you want to check out the show notes, head over to www.themodernmanifestation.com forward slash blog. If you're loving this podcast, please drop me a review, share this episode with a loved one, and follow me on Instagram at Modern Manifestation. I love y'all so much and thanks for listening.